This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. Cases of the new coronavirus are growing day by day. And yesterday, the Director General of the World Health Organization announced that the disease has hit a new threshold. That COVID-19 can be characterized as a pandemic. A pandemic. That declaration touched off a startling 24 hours as governments and businesses scrambled to respond to the threat. Italy announced sweeping new rules to shut down business and movement across the country. Then, President Trump declared a European travel ban. And later Wednesday night, the NBA did something it's never done before because of a health threat. It suspended all basketball games indefinitely. The ripple effects will continue. But the first 24 hours of an official pandemic have already brought a lot of change. Today on the show, what makes a pandemic and what this pandemic is doing around the world. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. And I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Thursday, March 12th. So what is a pandemic? Our colleague Brianna Abbott covers public health. And she says the designation is harder to define than you might think. So the World Health Organization defines a pandemic as a disease that has become widespread around the world with an impact on society. But the terms are all kind of loose and there's not really clear cutoffs. So an outbreak is like a small pocket of cases. And if it spreads more widely, potentially to other countries, that's when it's an epidemic. Even more widespread affecting more people is a pandemic. But there aren't necessarily clear cutoffs in every situation. The cutoffs might be open to interpretation, but coronavirus's rapid progression from an outbreak to an epidemic to a pandemic reflects a mathematical truth about this virus. It's spreading exponentially. Think of it like this. Yesterday, you were climbing a hill. Today, you're climbing a mountain. And tomorrow, you might be rock climbing. This exponential growth of the virus around the world is one reason the WHO declared COVID-19 a pandemic. But another reason for that designation has to do with communication. They are trying to raise the alarm. They sort of want to wake people up and get their attention. And we heard that yesterday from Dr. Tedros, the WHO's director general. And we're deeply concerned both by the alarming levels of spread and severity and by the alarming levels of inaction. They were worried that some people weren't taking it as seriously. So it really is a call to action for countries, businesses, and individual people to sort of take the right steps. Because it's been shown in other countries that this virus is controllable with the right aggressive measures. And the World Health Organization still thinks that it can be stopped to a certain extent. And so it's really just telling people, hey, 
we need to do something about this now. We cannot say this loudly enough or clearly enough or often enough. All countries can still change the course of this pandemic. He did say that people essentially need to work together at all levels to take this action to sort of stem the tide of this virus. Just hours after the WHO made its declaration, the country of Italy announced some of the most extreme steps yet to bring the coronavirus outbreak there under control. We're experiencing something I never thought I'd experience in my life. Italy-based reporter Margarita Stancati followed yesterday's events as the entire country went under an almost total lockdown. As of this morning, all bars and restaurants and most stores are shut. This was announced by the Prime Minister uh, late last night. The only stores that are open, really, are supermarkets and pharmacies. I've never seen Rome so empty in my life. Normally, it's swarming with tourists and people going to work or school. There's none of that. Most people are just locked in their own homes. And do they have to be locked in their homes? Are they free to walk out on the streets if they want? If you really have to go to work because you cannot work remotely, then you're allowed to leave the house. If you have to go buy groceries, you can leave the house. If you have to go to the pharmacy, you can leave the house. If you want to see your friend because you're bored, no, you're not allowed to leave your house. And police are beginning to check on people. Everyone who's out is supposed to carry this form where where you have to self-declare why you're leaving your house. Italy has faced the worst outbreak outside of China. More than 1,000 people have died, and there are more than 15,000 confirmed cases of the virus. The country is turning to these extreme measures to try to stop the virus from spreading any further. These restrictions, you know, apply to the whole of Italy. So there's no precedent for government to put its whole nation on the lockdown. When we had the first outbreak on February 20th, the towns around where this first person lived were placed under strict isolation. So we had police and army roadblocks around it. That area got bigger and bigger. But by Tuesday was the whole country. And why has that happened? Because um, new cases continued to soar. One goal of this nationwide quarantine is to protect a large, vulnerable population in Italy. Old people are the category that is most at risk. And that is partly why we're seeing so many deaths in Italy, because Italy has one of the world's oldest population. In fact, it's only second to Japan. And we know that the virus is much more lethal for the old than it is for the young. This lethal virus has put a lot of people in Italy's hospitals and created major strain on medical infrastructures like doctors, equipment, and beds. The healthcare system in Italy, and especially in the areas that are worst affected by the outbreak, are on the brink of collapse. Have you spoken to hospitals and healthcare workers about the situation? I have spoken to healthcare workers in northern Italy. They're running against time to add new beds in the intensive care units, but more sick are coming into the hospital than are leaving the hospital, and they simply can't add new beds fast enough. And we're beginning to see doctors having to make the decision of who to use the ventilator on and who who will basically have to die. 
that must leave people terrified. People are absolutely terrified. But this is also a very new sentiment. Italians were really resistant to accepting the reality. So you had lots of people scoffing at, you know, the idea of wearing face masks or taking any steps to protect themselves or each other. And as recently as last weekend in Rome, schools had been shut. So teenagers were out and about until late at night, essentially partying and having drinks. And that was just a few days ago. Everything seems so alarmist until you realize it's absolutely necessary. Is this what other countries should be expecting? Like, is this our future? In other countries in Europe, such as Spain, France and Germany, and even the UK, they look at least for now on the same trajectory as Italy was just, you know, a week or 10 days ago. It's very possible that other countries will experience what Italy is experiencing now. And can I ask you, did this escalation take you by surprise? There were lots of moments that I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. This is like a bad dream. Never in my lifetime did I imagine to ever be in this situation. And I think this is something that other countries are going through and will be going through. This feeling that, oh, you know, that's crazy. Why would a government impose these kinds of restrictions on public gatherings? Why would a government close schools? Why would people be wearing face masks and applying hand gel? We never thought that in a Western democracy, people were going to happily basically sit at home and never go out and police stopping people on the streets. But it's happening right now in Italy. And very few people are complaining because people understand how serious the situation is. And they understand that even if it may hurt them financially, they're doing this to save lives. We don't know how long this lockdown will go on. And while Italy has decided it's the right thing to do for public health, it's a big economic hit. Every day that bars, restaurants, and other establishments are closed, that financial picture gets worse. And just hours after Italy's announcement, the U.S. had an announcement of its own. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. This episode is brought to you by Mercury. There's an art to making the complex feel simple. Everything should be in sync so that even the smallest part serves a bigger purpose. Simplicity can transform your business operations. That's why Mercury powers your financial workflows from the bank account, giving ambitious companies like yours the precision, control, and focus they need to perform at their best. Apply in minutes at mercury.com. Welcome back. Hours after the Italian prime minister unveiled Italy's stepped-up response, President Trump made his own announcement. Last night, he addressed the nation from the Oval Office. My fellow Americans, tonight I want to speak with you about our nation's unprecedented response to the coronavirus outbreak. That started it was Trump's most direct response to the coronavirus crisis yet. 
and his tone was somber. He told Americans that his administration was taking aggressive action to prevent new coronavirus cases from entering the country. And to that end... We will be suspending all travel from Europe to the United States for the next 30 days. Beginning Friday at midnight, foreign nationals from Europe would be barred from entering the U.S. The speech was meant to reassure Americans that the government had things under control. But it also created some confusion. In his speech, Trump said the ban would apply to cargo, not just people. Trump later clarified in a tweet that he was just talking about people. And his statement about insurers also had some insurance companies scratching their heads. Earlier this week, I met with the leaders of health insurance industry who have agreed to waive all co-payments for coronavirus treatments, extend insurance... Trump was saying that coronavirus treatments wouldn't have a copay. But what insurers had actually agreed to was much narrower, waiving copayments only for testing for the virus. And while Trump reassured Americans that this was just a health crisis... This is not a financial crisis. This is just a temporary moment of time that we will overcome together as a nation and as a world. Markets didn't seem reassured. Today, U.S. stocks plummeted so far, so fast, that it triggered the second automatic pause of trading this week. It was the worst day in the markets since the 1980s. So we'll wait here. Uh, We'll suspend trading for 15 minutes. What you have seen is a precipitous decline. These staggering losses are, of course, raising fears again that we might be headed for uh, a recession. We are Investors might have been closely listening to Trump's speech for signs of reassurance, but not everyone was. Were you watching President Trump's speech at 9 p.m. last night? I had it on, but I was not focused on it. This is Ben Cohen. He doesn't cover politics. He covers basketball. And last night, as President Trump was addressing the nation, something else caught Ben's attention. I had been following tweets that players had been pulled off the court in Oklahoma City. In Oklahoma, the Utah Jazz and the Oklahoma City Thunder were about to tip off. Until suddenly, they weren't. It wasn't as if, like, they, they didn't show up to the arena, the players. It wasn't as if they didn't go through warm-ups or have starting lineups introduced. They were pulled off the court suddenly. As those players went back into their locker rooms, fans became restless. And then... The NBA shared some news. A star player, Rudy Gobert, had tested positive for coronavirus. And, like, everything just escalated from there. And I think about a half hour later, the NBA officially suspended its season. So this was really the first big domino to fall in major American sports. We've been covering this in sports in Asia and Europe, and it was clear that it was coming to the U.S. But to me, the whole thing felt like like watching the Titanic like approach the iceberg in slow motion. Like we knew it would happen. It was inevitable. We knew it was going to be painful. And yet it felt like everybody on the deck had not quite wrapped their minds around it until it actually happened. That evening was a rapid shift from where things were just a few days ago, when players seemed to have kind of a laissez-faire attitude about the coronavirus outbreak. I think NBA players are in a bubble when the season is going on. Like they are not necessarily in tune with international health news that's breaking halfway across the world. And so a couple of days ago, the NBA instituted media restrictions. So 
fans were still allowed uh, into arenas. The players were encouraged to fist bump them instead of high five and, and use their own Sharpies to sign autographs. And reporters were kept at like a safe distance from the players. On Monday, two days before he tested positive, Rudy Gobert was sort of poking fun at those restrictions, and he theatrically touches every recorder and microphone in front of him to sort of say, like, you know, we may be at a distance, but, like, this is kind of silly. It's, it's how it read anyway. Today, one of Gobert's teammates tested positive for the coronavirus. Gobert has come into contact with many other players over the last few weeks. His team, the Utah Jazz, played seven games in five different cities. Those other teams are now self-isolating, and some of their players are being tested. In a statement today, Gobert apologized to those he may have infected. The NBA has said it will continue to discuss the league's immediate future, and it's not the only league rethinking its season. Major League Baseball is pushing back the start of its season, and the National Hockey League is also suspending play. This is the busiest time of the American sports calendar. Like, not only do you have these playoffs, the Masters is coming up, the Boston Marathon is coming up, there are Olympic qualifiers scheduled, the NFL draft is coming up. Almost every league is going to be affected by this. The NBA just happened to be the one that had its hands forced first. It feels to me this coronavirus, it's changing our community. Everything that we have taken for granted is starting to disappear under our feet. Whether it's your college graduation, whether it's the NBA tickets your brother-in-law bought you for Christmas that are coming up. And so it's, it's like challenging the texture of life. I think that's absolutely right. And if you remember back about two weeks ago now, what the head of the CDC said was we should be prepared for severe disruptions for everyday life. And I think we're seeing that other severe disruptions swept across American life today. Ohio is closing all schools in the state. New York has banned all large gatherings. And the number of coronavirus cases in the U.S. continues to grow. As of our published time this afternoon, there were over 1,300 reported cases across the country. In Washington, D.C., Congress closed its Capitol building to visitors. And several politicians, including Senators Rick Scott and Lindsey Graham, have quarantined themselves out of fear that they are carrying the virus. That's all for today, Thursday, March 12th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Thanks to Juan Guerra II via Storyful for his courtside audio. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.